Welcome to Above Avalon. This is episode 164, Competing with Spotify. Hi, I'm Neil. Over the past year or two, much attention in the content distribution space has flowed to paid video streaming. And I think we all can see why. We have competitors going up against Netflix, consumers increasingly showing a willingness to pay for new video bundles. However, by focusing so much on video, I think an unfortunate development has happened. Not enough attention has been given to music streaming. I think we are entering a new chapter in music streaming, and Spotify ends up being a great example of this change. Spotify is evolving. And I think the competitive dynamic found between Spotify and Apple and music streaming, it's changing. In some ways, the competitive environment is actually evolving as well. In today's episode, we're going to focus on music streaming. In particular, we're going to talk about how Spotify is evolving and why I think Apple should take notice. Spotify sees the writing on the wall. It is going to remain difficult to make a profit from streaming music. This is a company that has reported years of remarkably strong user growth. And yet the high variable costs found for music streaming continues to serve as a financial headwind. I've covered Spotify somewhat closely over the years through the quarterly earnings. And in some ways, those earnings have become predictable. The quarterly results have become predictable. You have a company that reports strong subscriber trends, and yet that's offset by non-existent profit and mediocre operating cash flow. The way Wall Street reacts to Spotify earnings have also shown somewhat of a predictable nature in which all you're really doing is comparing what expectations are to reality. And so if Spotify reports a really good number in terms of subscriber growth, that causes analysts to raise their estimates for the next quarter, making it that much harder for Spotify to beat those expectations. And I think the opposite is true as well. If Spotify reports a slightly weaker quarter in terms of growth, that causes analysts to get worried. They bring down their expectations and just ends up making it easier for Spotify to beat the next time around. Last week, Spotify reported fourth quarter 2019 earnings. As expected, the results pretty much fit the long-standing pattern. Spotify grew its subscriber total by $23 million in just three months. That is a very good number. And I think this is one of those situations where you have a company, after a while, they report such strong growth that you almost get used to it after a while. But $23 million in three months, you, you can't be upset about that if you're Spotify. Even Spotify's cash flow showed a little bit of improvement. However, the numbers still don't seem to reflect a company that grew its subscriber base by 65 million people in 2019. Over at AboveAvalon.com in this week's article titled Spotify is Evolving, I have one chart that does a pretty good job at showing Spotify's growth trends. It tracks the number of people on the free tier and the number of people who are paying for Spotify. They're paying Spotify to consume music. Both the free tier and paid tier are seeing accelerating user growth. So again, that's a good thing for Spotify. 
And what's interesting is that the number of people joining the free tier, that is now outperforming the number of people who were joining the paid tier. It was actually in reverse for most of 2016, 17, and 18. What does that tell us? I think it's a sign that Spotify is seeing success in growing the streaming music pie. They are attracting new people into the fold. And so these new customers, they are more likely to enter through the free tier, the ad-supported tier, and then possibly migrate to the paid tier over time. If you take an even closer look at Spotify's subscriber base, it becomes evident that the company is seeing much of its growth in geographies where Apple has little to no presence. The takeaway there is that Spotify is becoming a preferred choice for Android users looking for free, ad-supported music. For years, the music streaming war between Spotify and Apple Music was fought over subscriber totals. Spotify and Apple Music are competitors. You're not going to have a situation where people are paying for both Apple Music and Spotify at the same time. This is not like in the paid video space where people are going to be paying for Netflix, Disney+, Plus, Apple TV+, Plus, maybe another bundle or two. It's going to be either Spotify or Apple Music. This put a lot of attention on all of the disclosures that Apple would provide. This is the number of people we have for Apple Music. And then, of course, you have Spotify doing the same. And things became a lot clearer when the company went public. And now you get those results on a quarterly basis. At first, consensus thought Spotify had received too large of a first mover advantage for Apple Music to find any traction. The commentary that was coming out of the music industry in terms of pundits and analysts, it, it was really brutal in terms of Apple Music. And, and I think in a way, Apple Music ended up becoming a symbol for a lot of people. They looked at this as not just, a, here's a Spotify competitor. Instead, they looked at this as, here is the company that was responsible for iTunes. And they're coming in to the music streaming party a few years late with a product that's viewed mostly as a Me Too copycat to Spotify. And they couldn't understand why anyone would pay for Apple Music instead of Spotify. Once Apple Music became available to users, you had Apple begin to provide periodic updates as to the number of people paying for Apple Music you start to see a change in tone. Today, we can say with confidence that both Apple Music and Spotify have won in music streaming. Each company has enough scale to matter. Apple Music now has more than 60 million paying subscribers. While that total is from last year, that disclosure, Apple recently said that Apple Music revenue is at an all-time high. So that would suggest that the 60 million continues to grow. Meanwhile, for Spotify, the total number of listeners is quickly approaching 280 million people. Looking at just paying 
users, paying subscribers. It looks like Spotify grew that total by about 2 million per month in 2019. Meanwhile, Apple Music had growth closer to 1.3 million per month. Even though Spotify continues to see strong subscriber growth, the additional scale hasn't resulted in dramatically improved financials. The problem here is found with high variable costs associated with music streaming. For every dollar that Spotify brings in the door, only 25 cents is left to cover the cost of running the business. Where did the other 75 cents go? That's the cost of goods sold. It has to account for music rights. For context, when you look at gross margins for the major companies, Facebook, we're at 82%. Microsoft, 66%. Alphabet, 56%. Apple, 38%. So Spotify's 25% gross margin percentage, it's low. When considering the amount of R&D and marketing that is required to stay competitive with the giants, Spotify's gross profit picture simply isn't encouraging. Now, the company has tried to improve its gross margins. During the earnings call, Spotify management talks about its efforts to charge content creators for various tools. You have different ways of negotiating certain content cost savings. And you see a little bit of improvement in the results from those efforts. But the elephant in the room, it's Apple Music. By having a successful alternative in the paid music streaming space, music rights holders are in a better position to retain their negotiation power when up against Spotify. In my view, music rights holders have been the big winners here in the current music streaming landscape. Consider how we have 200 million people paying somewhere between $5 and $10 per month for music when we're just looking at Spotify and Apple Music. An observer would look at this and go, well, this must mean music artists are making out. They must be doing better. Unfortunately, that's not the case. Music rights holders are doing better. But we don't see that flowing to the creator. A few weeks ago, I went into this in more detail in one of the Above Avalon daily updates. When you really take a look at what's going on here, it's not encouraging for the idea of having content creators simply be put into a more financially sustainable position. I think expectations regarding how music as an art form will be valued they need to be reassessed. And unfortunately, it's reassessed lower. When you look at other art forms, you don't see much in the way of monetization. Not like what I think expectations have been for music. Nowadays, the only way to really make a sustainable living in music is to do something other than sell music. (laughs) You have to sell other things. You have to sell the experience found with performing. It's a tough business to try to do that in small venues where maybe your fans, they're not going to be grouped in one geography. They're spread out. And so this leaves things like merchandise as a revenue stream. And that may work for some people, but it's hard. 
And I think a lot of people forget that when we talk about creatives, there's a difference between putting your attention, focusing on creating something, and then having to essentially manage a business, do marketing, do all the stuff that isn't about creating something. What all of this adds up to is I think the music rights holders, they're in a better position here. This brings us to a question. What next? Where does music streaming go from here? What changes should we expect? One way of answering that question is to look at what's going on with Spotify. The company is evolving. In early 2019, Spotify began betting big on podcasts. Since the start of 2019, Spotify has spent more than $600 million buying podcast assets. There's Gimlet Media, Anchor, Podcasts, and most recently, The Ringer. By getting into podcasts in such a big way, Spotify is trying to evolve from a dedicated music streaming service dependent on music rights holders for achieving profitability to an audio company with a platform delivering audio entertainment to as many people as possible. One factor, one driving motivation here is Spotify's financial picture stands to improve if the company can better monetize its 280 million subscribers. An audio platform consisting of podcasts is in a better position to generate higher gross margins by having people spend time listening to something other than music. With a captive audience of hundreds of millions of people, Spotify is in an interesting position to be more of an advertising company. Management hasn't necessarily kept that to be a secret. They are looking for ways to put ads and podcasts. They think that they are going to be a great place for advertisers to get in front of a lot of people. Spotify's long-term strategy may include having third-party developers create new kinds of audio experiences. The timing for such an evolution looks good for Spotify. We are in the midst of a headphones renaissance set within a wearables revolution. By removing wires, headphones are being transformed. Apple continues to expand its wireless headphones portfolio. We have various AirPods models, Beats headphones. According to my estimates, Apple is bringing in $9 billion of revenue per year from headphones. That is 25% higher than Spotify's annual revenue. When you look at Apple's $3 billion acquisition of Beats back in 2014, That's looking smarter by the day when thinking about the headphones piece of the acquisition. When you look at just Beats headphones alone, Apple is probably bringing in close to $2 billion of revenue per year. Those numbers also shine a light on the difficulties that Spotify is facing by being just a dedicated music streaming service. This goes along this narrative of a company really looking to evolve, not just because they want to, but they need to. 
Spotify faces an uphill battle while evolving into an audio company. The biggest obstacle is the lack of first-party hardware and other services such as video streaming. All of these rumors about Spotify tinkering with or thinking about getting into hardware likely have merit. Spotify is at a severe disadvantage by not having first-party hardware solutions such as stationary speakers, but more importantly, wearable devices. Instead, what Spotify has to do is go through someone else to get to its listeners. At this point, they've been resorting to certain partnerships. I'm not a fan of partnerships. I don't think they amount to much. You see Spotify trying to make it as easy as possible to work with other companies to get to its users. But at the end of the day, without first-party hardware, you're simply at a disadvantage here. Last year, Spotify declared war on Apple. But instead of having that war take place on the music streaming battlefield in the marketplace over exclusive songs and albums, Spotify wants to go after Apple in the courts, in the regulator back rooms. Spotify's goal here is to weaken Apple's grip on the App Store and the broader Apple ecosystem. Success for Spotify amounts to putting itself in a better position to leverage Apple's ecosystem for its own ambitions. Currently, it's the other way around. Apple is benefiting from Spotify. This is another great example of why I think the music streaming space has entered a new chapter. We're seeing the competitive battle lines change. It's not just about streaming music anymore. It's about the broader experience, including hardware. How do we listen to all of that music? How do we access that music? It always comes back to hardware. Another issue for Spotify is the lack of video assets. In the event of video and music bundling taking off, and this is something that we really have to monitor because this could become a big deal in both music streaming and paid video streaming. In a bundling world, Spotify will find itself at another disadvantage. The company has limited financial resources that will allow it to get into video. Spotify has $1.9 billion of cash, cash equivalents, and short-term investments in the balance sheet. Spotify would need to continue relying on partnerships for bundling opportunities. That is far from ideal. Although Spotify has easy access to capital, the amount of cash flying around for original video content is daunting. This is another reason why Spotify hasn't been shy running into podcasting. On a relative basis to the video space, Spotify is able to make its cash go further with podcasts. And that's even after considering some of these pretty lofty valuations that Spotify has been willing to pay for podcast startups. $250 million for The Ringer? You could tell Spotify really wants to get into podcasting. When it comes to advantages and being able to succeed in its evolution, Spotify has one thing going for it. 
the ability to focus. Audio is commanding all of Spotify management's attention as it represents everything for the company. Spotify is likely betting that the giants will continue to treat audio, which isn't the same as voice, by the way, as a money-losing ancillary business. There's another way of thinking about this. Apple has a $1.4 trillion market cap that is 56 times larger than Spotify's $25 billion market cap. A doubling or tripling in Spotify's market cap would be considered a huge validation in the company's evolution strategy. Meanwhile, Apple's market cap fluctuates $25 billion to $50 billion on any given day. To conclude today's discussion, we will look at this from Apple's perspective. How should Apple approach Spotify? In its current form, Spotify doesn't pose much of a long-term threat to Apple. Spotify is a competitor, as I mentioned in the beginning of the episode. People are going to choose between Spotify and Apple Music. The thing is, the overall music streaming pie continues to expand. So it is very well possible that both Spotify and Apple Music can continue to see growth. The thing is, when you look at Spotify today, it's a service that is consumed by a small percentage of Apple users, mostly on Apple's platform. We know the number of people in the Apple ecosystem, a billion. We know the number of people who are listening to Spotify. It's approaching 280 million. Not all of those are iOS users. A lot of that's Android. And so when you look at the percentages, it's not that there's a significant percentage of Apple users using Spotify. However, Apple can't and shouldn't ignore Spotify's evolution. One of the more effective ways for Apple to compete with Spotify over the long run is to figure out where the company is headed and get there first. If Spotify is successful at building an audio platform with millions of engaged developers, the company is going to have a beachhead in audio apps. That would make Spotify an app store alternative in a wearables world. In such an environment, audio stands to be a key ingredient capable of augmenting our surroundings. We talked a little bit more about that in episode 159, AirPods as a Platform. It is in Apple's best interest to recognize the threat that Spotify could pose and beat the company in establishing an audio platform. Apple can empower iOS developers to come up with new forms of content and workflows designed to be consumed on a range of wearables, along with mobile devices. Along with music and podcasts, there could be room for new mediums and experiences, many that can't even be envisioned yet. In such a dynamic, Apple could then leverage its biggest advantage over Spotify, hardware, and a broader platform with various services. If consumers end up viewing an evolved Spotify as something consumed on Apple's platform, instead of looking at Spotify as a platform in of itself, Apple will have successfully countered Spotify's evolution. That is going to do it for today's episode. If you enjoy the analysis and perspective found in this podcast episode and in the weekly articles over at AboveAvalon.com, and you want more of it throughout the week, 
I do publish a daily email all about Apple. These emails are called daily updates, and each update is 2,000 words and typically covers three stories. I talk about a wide range of topics. Essentially, if it's of interest to Apple, it is something I pay attention to in the daily updates. Everything from Apple business and strategy analysis, my perspective and observations on current news and Apple competitors, my Apple financial estimates, and full coverage of Apple earnings, product events, and keynotes. A few sample daily updates are available over at aboveavalon.com. Just go to the daily updates page, and that's going to give you a pretty good look at what each update is like. Scroll all the way down on the daily updates page, and then you will see all of the headlines for the stories that I talk about in the daily updates, and that's going to give you a look at the wide range of topics that are discussed in these emails. The Above Avalon daily updates are available exclusively to Above Avalon members. And so if you want to receive this daily email in your inbox, all you have to do is become an Above Avalon member. Head on over to AboveAvalon.com and then go to the membership page. There are two membership options available. It's either $20 per month or $200 per year. While the daily updates represent the cornerstone of Above Avalon membership, Members also have other privileges and benefits, including access to my Apple earnings model, above Avalon reports, email priority. There is an archive available, so you can go back and read previously sent daily updates and reports. And there is a forum, so you can chat with other above Avalon members. I am proud to say that Above Avalon is fully sustained by memberships. So if you are currently an Above Avalon member, thank you for your support. And if you are planning on becoming an Above Avalon member, I thank you in advance. With that, I will conclude today's episode. I will talk to you all later.